0: You're listening to Modes of Inquiry with Matthew Chinorio. Hi, I hope you're well. Thanks for tuning in. The topic I will be addressing today is abortion. And this particular episode was not something I initially had thought to address. But I was inspired by a speech by valedictorian Paxson Smith of Lake Highlands High School in Dallas, Texas. It was very touching, very heartwarming, but very human. Her speech addresses the current very invasive and pervasive, far-reaching law passed in Texas by Governor Abbott. If one is unfamiliar with this, I do recommend reading upon it more. It's nicknamed the Heartbeat Bill. This particular law permits only six weeks up to the time of abortion, with the clause being neither rape nor incest past that particular period being a provision to access abortion of any sort. I will be addressing this from two lenses, the first being a moral lens and whether it actually fits into a moral objective. The second objective I will be looking through is a logical, practical approach and what should be considered and looked at when looking at abortion, specifically in America, but for the context of this particular episode in Texas. A little history before we get things underway. On May 19th, Governor Abbott of Texas signed Texas Senate Bill No. 8 into law, the Heartbeat Bill, which prohibits abortions once a fetal heartbeat is detected. The law makes no exception for pregnancies that are a result of rape or incest and includes a provision that allows individual citizens to sue anyone they believe may have been involved in helping a pregnant individual violate that ban. The law is set to be enacted on September 1st, 2021. The bill negates the reality that at six weeks, most women are completely unaware they are pregnant. Stir into the mixture that most women have irregular menstrual cycles. Furthermore, add into the mixture that if you are someone who works out regularly, you may also have an irregular menstrual cycle. By the time you are fully aware that you are pregnant, in Texas, you will not soon not have the right to obtain an abortion, if you so choose. Now. This is an extraordinarily invasive and pervasive law, but in many respects Texas is not new to this. There has been a decline on abortion clinics in the state steadily from approximately 128 in 1982 to 79 in 1992 and decreasing ever since to 19 in 2016. However, let's look at this from a moral lens. Is this law actually attempting to enact and view abortion from a moral lens? If it is the case that proponents of this bill believe in the sanctity of life, of both lives for that matter, of the woman, and depending on your perspective, your point of view, your mode of inquiry, the potential child, the embryo, the zygote, or in later trimesters, the fetus, then you would have to consider this. From a moral perspective, you would want to ensure that at each stage, both woman and potential child, or zygote, fetus, zygote. you see where I'm going here, have the right measures in play, the right mechanisms in play, from a healthcare standpoint, to ensure the health of both. This would involve, in many ways, going back... To healthcare providers. A problem which we see across the US, the access to healthcare provisions, healthcare providers, not only inaccessibility in many cases that women face with prenatal health care. If this were a moral case and a moral pursuit, then this would be a provision. This would be a social provision as a part of this bill. That would be a moral obligation in a moral position taken. You would also find I certainly believe that if this were a moral position taken benefiting both parties as it should, you would find in women's restrooms the accessibility not only to contraceptions but certainly the accessibility publicly free of charge of pregnancy tests. Certainly that would be a moral position taken. You want to be aware of this potential child, the zigot, the, the stage the trimester you're in. If the sanctity of life and the protection of that life is something that is deemed important, deemed moral, then the provisions to ensure that this is actually occurring would be something important. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We don't see this. In many ways, this is a bill that is not drenched in any morality, but drenched in self-righteousness. And rather, this is more the case of sexual health and women's health and sexual reproductive health, The question being, if this is a position taken, passed, deemed to be moral, then you'd want to go back further. You'd want to make this provision to ensure that women, young women of all ages, had access, not only physical access to a place, to, as said, contraception or pregnancy tests, but you would also have, from an early stage, proper, full, complete sexual education. It's an empowering act that would be both a moral and a real-world application of morality. Evidently, this is not the case. What we see here in this bill is political capital at its finest. And we also see that in the state of Texas, I think quite unsurprisingly in many ways, both women of conservative politics and quote-unquote liberal politics, or left and right if you prefer, are very much outspoken of this. This is something that will affect a woman's life immensely, as beautifully put by the words by the valedictorian Paxson Smith. I wouldn't even begin to add to those words. I think they were spot on. What should be done? What should be looked at? If we would think of a practical, logical approach here, it would be much what I've just stated. You would want to start with education. We'd want to have young girls empowered to become empowered women, knowledgeable about themselves, not just the world around them, but about their own bodies. Having access, not even to to abortion, I think that's a poor narrative, but having access to prenatal health care, having access to medical professionals, doctors, even just a GP. These are topics that should be talked about more greatly when it comes to the topic of abortion, specifically in America. But it seems the trap that has always fallen into is the perennial, as I like to refer to many topics of this nature, the ping-pong effect, the back and forth. We have the one camp on one side, which is pro-life, and you have the other side which is pro-choice. I would say neither really get the heart of the issue, which is an educational aspect. Throwing terms around From a pro-life standpoint, of unborn child, unborn baby, pre-born child, get lost in the real pursuit, in the real endeavor, as they consider terms such as embryos, they get fetus to be dehumanizing. But the the pro-choice camp is no much better. These are just political frameworks of labeling, of grouping themselves off. The real objective is not to pursue your philosophy, your group identity and of going forward, but it should be to enact laws that provide social health care benefits to women at a young age, and specifically for those who are most in need. Unfortunately, what we see greatly in the U.S., and what we see often, is not just the fact that it's one mishap, inaccessibility to health care providers, to abortions, to contraceptions even, and just the basic understanding of your physicality as a woman, your basic understanding of your own biology and reproductive health. These are empowering things. These would be something that any moral person should be behind. No one likes, I think, should be said. And if there is such a person, I I would love to hear from them. I certainly would love to hear from them. But there is no person who who is joyful and screaming and loving and, and parading around that, yes, we are obtaining an abortion. It's a horrible act. It's a horrible choice that one is put into. But at the same time, it is the choice of that individual whose body is theirs if they so choose to attain one. But I think in many ways we would find that with greater education from a young age and the access to contraception and the access to prenatal health care would pose much greater benefits from a moral and practical standpoint going beyond the narratives of left and right and pro-choice and pro-life. To something that benefits all. As has been shown in many studies shown in the New England Journal of Medicine to the Center of Reproductive Rights, have found that where abortion restrictions are highest, the rates of maternal death also surge. Higher rates of infant death and child deaths, higher rates of teen drug and alcohol abuse, and lower rates of cancer screenings. And as I'm sure the fears of Pax and Smith, of any woman of any age, but specifically a young woman starting out in the world, that this inaccessibility now put in play by this law would inhibit a life, inhibit this woman's life of pursuing her education, pursuing her career. And the real crux of this issue is in many cases the reality is not talked about. We always seem to talk about it from an upper-middle class standpoint. The ones who get affected the most by these provisions are. Women, young girls, from a lower class, economic class standpoint, will likely have to drop out of school, will likely be working part-time, and this poses a problem. This this is not even just a moral or political issue. It's also an economic issue, which we tend to forget. You are subsequently creating a void. You are creating a void in the market. You are creating a, a void, a chasm, where women cannot obtain their degree pursue their careers, pursue their education, but have now been placed into this limbo, into this chasm from which an endless cycle of the same thing happening over and over again, which goes back to the crux of it being an education standpoint. You want to have a moral obligation here, then it starts with education. It starts with female empowerment from a young age. The empowerment of women should start with the empowerment of young girls. And by that notion, you would not only see a transformation in Texas or all over the U.S., but you would certainly see a transformation economically and politically elsewhere. As the saying goes, America leads and the world follows. Reproductive health is a a big issue. It's a big issue that's not talked about enough with this topic, because it is the topic, really. We get too much trapped in the perennials, the back and forth of pro-life and pro-choice. But it is that political framing that that really does that labeling, that negates the reality of it's an educational aspect too. It goes back to female empowerment. It is it is a choice. It is as the as the uh, the saying goes, my body, my choice. It certainly is. But it also is the obligation to have access to health care access to education, and proper education too, not moralistic shaming of one's body, but an empowering understanding. This would be a change, a complete differentiation from what currently is the case. And as I've said, I've tried to present a view that is both logical and practical, I think that would be it. Because this current law is not one based in morality, but as said, it is one based in self-righteousness, and in many ways, I think, greatly a fear of women. As was said by, my goodness, please, if one does remember an article that was written some time ago, I believe in the late 80s, 90s, if men were able to give birth, abortion and reproductive rights would not be one thing up for debate. And I think that's very true. That's very true, indeed. We would consider it the cool thing. We would consider it the manly thing, the macho thing. We would be talking about it as much as anything else. We wouldn't be squeamish around it at all. But as I've mentioned many times already, this comes back to not only the politics, the left-right, but it comes back to something that neither can't talk about, the educational aspect from a young age, the empowerment of women from a young age. You want to empower women, you must first empower them when they're young girls. And this law does not do that. This law in many ways restricts, prohibits, the functionality, the movement, the choices they have of their own body, which subsequently influences, astronomically, the choices they have in their life. On a final note, generally speaking, most women who have survived rape suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and find a decision especially difficult so soon after that trauma, the physical and mental trauma that may be experienced for an extended period of time. As a result, advocates of reproductive rights state, and quite rightly so, that because of these factors and more, the fetal heartbeat bills are de facto bills on banning abortion. The word itself, the deliberate use of the word, fetal heartbeat, invokes a very high Intensive emotional reaction, a response meant to conjure up the idea of an actual heart being present. At six weeks, the embryo, not the fetus, is about seven millimeters long. That's approximately the size of a pencil tip. Put that into your thoughts for a moment the size of a pencil tip. The heartbeat, as it were, conjures up an organ which expands and contracts, but at six weeks, the embryo Let's emphasize it again. The embryo has not yet developed that structure. It is extraordinarily misleading to use these kind of words. Even when that structure does develop, it is not as if it works on its own. The functionality, the proper functionality, has to be communicated with other organs of the body. It communicates with the neurological system. So the brain has to be developed in order to send signals to the heart to speed up, slow down the entire function of that particular organ. It's grossly, once again, grossly inaccurate and also completely and utterly unscientific to define the viability by the, by the mere existence, the mere contrivancy, of any organ. But this term is used colloquially, that should be noted too. This term is used colloquially between patients and doctors. Describe to expecting and often anxious, anxious about the state, the health, anxious about what's going on, anxious about the well-being, all these things, to describe to expected parents or parent in early stages of the pregnancy, the development, and usually quite often during the first trimester of pregnancy. Early signs of this cardiac activity, this tiny, specifically tiny, pulsing rhythm can be detected in cells, in cells. The mobility, the clashing, the bumping together of cells. Not a physical heart in any rudimentary sense whatsoever. However, these cells do, much later on in the developmental structure that becomes the child, that becomes the fetus later on, forms the human heart. As I've said, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is grossly misleading. The bill is not emphasizing nor promoting any sense of actual, proper morality, but it's a self-righteous, unscientific approach. Sadly so. And with that, as always, my friends, I leave you with this. To the left, wonder. To the right, myth. And straight on, curiosity. Stay curious, my friends. Follow Modes of Inquiry with Matthew Genorio on Twitter, at Modes of Inquiry on Instagram at modes of and his Facebook page, Modes of Inquiry with Matthew Genorio.